How are you feeling? Calypso History Month still going on? Excuse the quality, eh? But I had to play. Yeah, yeah. Listen to every lyric. Yeah. I think the government in this country yeah. should treat the people more seriously when they have their parliament meeting. Something constructive should be happening. I visit them one evening yes. in the parliament meeting. Oh, what I see happening? Like these people high up are going. Why is the speaker speaking? In parliament they kicks in. Eric with a newspaper reading. In parliament they kicks in. They want to stop old people from driving. In parliament they kicks in. Get the long says joke they make in. In parliament they kicks in. They kicks in, kicks in all the time. They're blowing everybody mind. problems and there's nobody to solve them the opposition making gross so the big boys could play in the house we can't get lights neither water look at the situation with wasa what they only making confusion building calls for horses to run wisely speaker speaking in parliament the kicks in mori with tobago black flying what in parliament the kicks in shan pan they always argue in in parliament the kicks in they want to build They kicks in, kicks in all the time They're blowing everybody mind They kicks in, kicks in all the time They're blowing everybody mind Food stuff on a shortage daily What? This place is burning in the city Before they watch these things seriously The whole meeting is a comedy Ready cute when the fatty giving And all of the members laughing Whilst they having a good time We catching we royally high I wonder what year he write this song Like he write this earlier this year Both in making sweet time for selling In Parliament the Kicks So much of dirty water we drinking In Parliament the Kicks We have a telephone and it's a walking In Parliament the Kicks If you're paying for election coming Yes In Parliament the Kicks So he put a cabinet in the kitchen What? Listen, if he didn't say Mr. Speaker and Eric and thing, I think it's this year he write his song. You know, welcome to episode 74 of the Cory Shepard podcast. This had to be 74, eh? Welcome back to everybody who's been listening. Welcome on board if you're a new listener. If you're a new listener, this podcast comes out every Tuesday. We, we, we In this episode, we kicks it, right? <laughs> we generally hear... To take a little light look at the current affairs in the Trinidad, the seriousness and the plenty calypso in it to one music and culture. And whatever it is happening, we will cover, right? So remember that you could find it on any podcast app where you could listen. And thanks to the people who've been tuning in on YouTube as well and looking. Um, like, share, subscribe, comment, and turn on your post notifications so you know when new episodes are going to come out. I want to say special thank you to Mr. Shaq. S- special thank you to Mr. Shaq for coming on last week and breaking down some of his... Calypsos and his opinions on the Calypso industry really are shame, you know. I talked to Mr. Shaq for four hours. I went I went in full groupy mode, you know. <laughs> I gained on to two hours, eh? And I, 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 people bad me up and think because I think I promise. I said, man, is keep my promises. You understand? Know 
I don't like to owe people neither. So everything I tell earlier, I'm going to talk about. I really couldn't put it in that last week episode because we was done at four hours with Mr. Shaka get on to two hours. And I enjoyed that thoroughly. It's one of the best experiences I've had on this podcast since we've started. So salute and thanks to Mr. Shaka. But we had some issues that we were supposed to talk about last week that we didn't talk about. So we're getting two episodes for the price of one this week. How that song in? I hope after this week, we're supposed to be square again. I ain't supposed to be owing nobody nothing. So we have, we have, we have parliament to talk about, but parliament is a this week issue. I want to go back to some last week issues before we start. I want to talk about the great David Augustus Mervyn Chappelle. The great Dave Chappelle. Now, plenty backlash on things. I, I, listen, I tell myself I wasn't even bothering to go and talk about it because well, the issue dead by the time I cover it. Because I delayed one week because I wanted to give people time to watch it. And then I delayed another week because I had Mr. Shaq last week. And Mr. Shaq also was talking about the Dave Chappelle thing. And maybe one day I'll play that. I'll do a full-length episode or part one and a part two with his episode as well. I enjoy listening to what he had to say about Dave Chappelle. He's also an avid fan of stand-up comedy like myself. And I'm a huge fan of Dave Chappelle, not just stand-up comedy. And I say, well, it makes sense I come back here to talk about it. I know that issue and dead. Everybody don't forget about that. But clearly nobody forget about it down here particularly. And in the states where people are walking out, well, people first storm into meetings. <laughs> people of the, let me get this right, eh? LBGTQIA plus environment. Salute to everybody in the LGBTQIA plus environment, right? But people are trying to barge into, to, well, they said they tried to barge into meetings at Netflix. But that was proven untrue and the person get back their work or come off suspension because they were actually invited to the meeting in error, so they come true. And then it escalated now to where Netflix employees, salute to the Netflix CEO as well, who come out and say he not remove any special money talks in it. <laughs> when you don't pay Dave Chappelle that amount of money, not just for one special, but for five specials, uh, this might be number six he just completed there. Because he hit us two two-packs and then sticks and stones, right? He would go through all of them. And then he, he had the closer this week. Uh, $40 million, I think, was the figure when he had done the first two. So if you're assuming that he has $100 million already, or one twenty by the by six specials, or however you count it, it's plenty money. And he also created a lot of traction for Netflix because Netflix is most talked about over the last two weeks as a company and as a platform. And then people come in to watch not just this Dave Chappelle special because of the controversy, but people who didn't see the last uh, five coming back and watching them as well too. <laughs> so the, the CEO ain't no fool and money talks. And I suppose at some point, I hear it publicly, but at some point you don't tell them people, hey, this money that we pay all year from for the last how much ever time all year working here, that Dave Chappelle money too. And that's money what Dave Chappelle bring into the platform that all year again pay from. So it would be quite... <laughs> hypocritical. Everybody that damn hypocrite as far as I can say, include myself. Eh? But he had to come out and tell him, listen, what kind of what kind of hypocrisy is this? You your salary being funded by words that this man's saying and specials this man putting out, and all of a sudden you want him to be cancelled and you want me take him down from the platform, lose the money associated with taking him down. Because if they take down that one special, knowing what I've seen with Dave Chappelle so far, he is going to tell them. Remove Chappelle's show if you have the power to do that. But definitely his other specials and so on. Chappelle is not the kind of man to play that with. Keep in mind that when Comedy Central was going to re-up with him, he had a $50 million on the, on deal on the table, which he walked away from. So don't put it above somebody who 
collect that kind of money and still live in the same life you was living in Yellow Springs, Ohio, to tell them here what going on. Take back your 60 million, give me back my four specials, I cool. Because if, if that could be done, he could shop them specials anywhere. Anybody would pay that money for them specials, no HBO, Showtime, any one of them. So I, I don't understand this call to take down, but the call to take down get tempered. Well, you notice that? The LBGTQIA plus people from Netflix, which is about 12 people. Eh? They have as many people as they have letters. I watch you protest good. <laughs> it's, they don't have enough people to support this protest. But what they do have is a lot of media coverage and support. We're going to talk about that in a minute, right? But they soften their stance and they've come out and said that, listen, we don't want you to take him down. We are not a part of cancel culture anymore. A, a, a black transgender woman is leading this call. And that was the spokesperson for the Netflix employees. And she was saying that, I don't want the thing taken down. We're not going to cancel culture. Because it was clear that they were playing right into Dave Chappelle's hands. And when people started watching the clothes, and now they realized, but wait, this is exactly what he's talking about. So they pull back the stance on cancel culture and they say, all right, what we want is a disclaimer at the beginning of the show to say these jokes might be insensitive or whatsoever to transgender people or LBGTIQIA plus people, right? So they want that disclaimer up front. They're willing to leave it up there. That speaks a lot to collecting your checks to me. And that's just me personally. But when you say you leave it, willing to leave it up there, it sounds to me like somebody who realized the impact of the money that will cost them and the future of their employment. But okay, they're willing to leave it up there. They also said that they want in more investment in LBGTQIA plus um, content. So they want a direct financial investment in more content that is representative of their community. Now, let me tell you something. I believe in representation. I think representation in media is extremely important. I could not, I, I would not have been doing this podcast every day or every week if there was not a Dave Chappelle that I could have seen 20, 30 years ago when I porn and I, I watch a comedy skit thing that was surreal to me. I couldn't do this if somebody did, uh, like Keenan Ivory Wayans didn't come up with um, In Living Color or when I was growing up as a young teenager. I couldn't see Martin, or even younger than that, I couldn't see Bill Cosby and Different Strokes and 227. Those things are very important. As, let, me, let me talk as black Caribbean people. We can't discount the importance of a representation, and we shouldn't. Because if left, uh, if, if not for that, we would have grown up seeing all them white shows and, and kind of never understand that we could be anything that we want to be in media, in TV, in politics, in music, and so on. So representation important. I always remember a quick story, right? My youngest brother, who I talk about in this episode as well, my guy Jonathan, he produced the um, the piece at the front of this thing, the little pan piece. He produced that. I'm hoping I could get him to do some more for me. But I remember when he was very, very young, Barack Obama had won the election, right? And I can't remember if it was the inauguration or what. I was done by my father. <laughs> and me and my father said, no, both of we kind of halfway had tears in we eye watching Barack make speech. And I remember Colin, not, not Colin Powell, rest in peace to Colin Powell as well, before I forget that. But uh, Jesse Jackson, Colin Powell was there as well. 
But I remember seeing Jesse Jackson in tears and Oprah in tears. And it, it meant a lot. Whether, whether you enjoy or, or like Barack policies or you like the person or you ever vote for him or whatever, it meant a lot to the black community and particularly the black Caribbean community seeing somebody like Barack up there. Once you're black, we just claim you're like, we use we want to know everybody in Trinidad. Like, and when I say black, I mean Trinidadians, right? When we, when we, um, when we see Barack, we see in Barack like, like we boy. You remember? Remember when he come here and think he was embraced? So that level of representation means so much to my father and I that we never thought, I certainly never thought that I would have seen that in my lifetime and much less for him. He probably had less hope than me. And both of we sitting there halfway in tears watching this thing. I remember daddy calling out to Jonathan. He's like, Jonathan, come. You can't miss this moment. Come and watch this. And when Jonathan come and see, he say a black man is the president of the United States. Boy, Jonathan, like, one of the most watery stoops I ever hit in my life. And walk off and continue. That's the nonsense you call me for. <laughs> I saying that to say that to him, it is already normalized. You understand? At that young age, to see something like that means that he never had any doubt or any fear about them having a black... I remember watching Barack Obama being inaugurated on, on the stage and thing and and i remember thinking all those shooting i don't know if any, i don't know I, I was the only person who had that thought only tell me if only had that thought too you know i was just looking at this thing and say oh god all those spray up the place like we just have this moment now you understand for for, for for all of us and he stoops and walk off and and it's because in his mind this was always a possibility. This was always a thing. This is just another politician. He's just another dude. And that's kind of what you want. And that's why representation matters. So I've never... I would never say anything bad about any community or, or the, the uh, transgender community in particular looking for representation. What I will tell you is that when I watch Netflix shows generally, I find there's a lot of representation of the LBGTQIA plus community. Because no matter which show you're watching on Netflix, at some point in time, a man gonna love up a man, a woman gonna love up a woman. That 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 coming. And you know what what I find change over time too? The at first when you was watching a show, you could almost identify. If if not if not identify, you could guess that this person he looking like he, you know what I mean, he he, he ain't straight. Now they're taking the one who is the most burly, butch-looking one, the manliest of men. And next thing you know, he's loving up a dude. And uh, Ozark is my example of that. I don't know who, if any uh, y'all watch Ozark. I, I hear season, whatever the new season is coming out soon. But on Ozark, I was watching it, and the dreadest policeman who was chasing after Marty Bird, along with the dreadest of the enemies, well, at least at the time, the little girl turned out to be the dreadest one, right? But the uncle big bearded guy they're going fishing they go listen the, the manliest of men in the show marty bird ain't manly like them two men next thing you know after a little fishing trip is heavy love up in the truck you know what i mean and that went on for some episodes well and the thing about it is that i don't i don't have a problem with that i think it's important that 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 community and any other community get representation just like how we as black people used to lobby to like see more black people in roles. They have NAACP and so on there to make sure that they have more black people in colleges, more funding for black colleges and so on. It is important, especially when you're marginalized and you are a minority, especially in the United States of America, because America have a reputation for not treating minorities well. I will say that America's problems are not Trinidad and Tobago's problems or the rest of the world problems. That's all your problem. 
but we like American media, so we have to absorb some of it because some of us, I don't have a problem with it, but some of us who have problems with it, we want to watch the show, but we vex when the gay part come on, you know what I mean? We vex, we want to skip past that part, you know what I mean? But they're making sure that more and more important characters play in them roles, and I, I do feel like it's important, and it would be the same as far as I am concerned for the transgender community, and because of that, I have no issue with it. But there are a few things that are uncomfortable with about this idea of protesting Dave Chappelle every single time he comes out of that special, no matter what he says. And he ended this special by saying, I'm not making any jokes about you guys anymore until I am sure that we are both laughing. Now, that's a thing that comedians do, right? If you're into stand-up comedy, you know already that if you go to a comedy show, there's a chance that the comedian going to pick on you. If you if you if you if you're a little jokey looking, you're a little fat, you're you you you're ugly man, but you have a best smile, best thing with you. Then you gonna get talk. This is normal. DL Hughley, Martin Lawrence, Bill Burr, the best of comedians, Richard Pryor. Well, I mean, um, Paul Mooney is a whole next story on his own, right? But you're going to get is is a standard thing. These guys are, boy, listen, the the the, the kind of funny they are. Cannot be explained. And the thing about it is like, remember the area where you grew up or when you went to school, liming on the block in your work, the cooler part of your work or the after work line. It's the same thing that we do. We catch kicks off of things that may not be funny. I struggle with my weight. That's not a funny thing, but it's also funny like hell. So before I get into these people protest about the LBGTQIA jokes that Dave Chappelle likes to make, as far as he's saying one of his specials, he can't stop writing jokes about them. And he says a hilarious predicament, which I agree. I agree. He said, there's one joke that he said, he said, so it wouldn't be funny to you if I was Chinese. If I identify as Chinese, but you're born in this nigga body. <laughs> Doesn't, don't laugh, right? That's not supposed to be funny, right? Go and look for Dave Chappelle. I never go and say his joke as funny as he say. I go and butcher everything he say. But it was, it was, it was important that he points out that, listen, he's never seen so much people in a funny, in as funny a predicament, who not willing to laugh at themselves. And I don't know if it is one of them things like you don't want to laugh at yourself. You, you, you laugh amongst yourself, but you don't want other people to laugh at you because I know that them just tell one another, them just tell one another some of the meanest, most hurtful things and laugh or not laugh and them kind of thing. If you want evidence of this, go on Instagram and follow Yank Boss, who is openly gay, and Kia, ranking Kia, who is... I want to say transgender, but me want to offend nobody. But I think that is the goal she going for transgender. I don't know what she's doing. But if you listen to two of them talk to one another, they're very disrespectful. They're very rude. And they're very hurtful. And they're funny too. Because that's the first thing I do when I'm born in this check out Young Boss. Because it's funny as hell. But anyway, before I get into that in particular, I want to talk about comedy and the importance of comedy as an art, as an art form. And maybe it's why I enjoy coming here and talk a little once a week is, is get some things off my chest, get me to, you know what I mean? De decompress and all that. And hopefully you enjoy it enough to catch a little laugh on your weekly basis, you know what I mean? Or for the people who tell me like the exercise on the morning or they had the morning chores to do, I take that seriously. You know, I like to make sure they have all the episode Tuesday early. Because I know what it's feel like when I'm looking forward to a little episode of Joe Budden podcast to get my little kicks and make the week a little easier. And then I turn on and it's not there. That's not a nice feeling. So I try to make sure I'm consistent with it. But let me tell you a joke that I was real offended by as a young fella, right? When I say young fella, I'm a teenager at this point in time. 
are starting to become acutely conscious of the difference between white and black people in terms of the opportunities that are presented to a young white child versus a young black child. And I'm not talking Trinidad white as much. I'm talking about white people versus black people. So I'm including all Trinidadians as black here. Or, or if you want to change your word, you could say minority. I'm starting to become acutely aware of that. And I'm starting to read a little more and observe a little more what, what is happening in society. Where you watch around the place, you can't see, you never see a white vagrant. Out of all my years in, in, in Trinidad, it had one. So you tell me it only had one person running to drugs or those types of circumstances or mental health issues or uh didn't do good in school and poverty lead them to homelessness or whatever whatever the drivers of homelessness you want to tell me that only one white person in the history of trinidad went through that i say all right that's i started to observe as well it didn't have a white police gary griffith white it don't have a white police it don't have a white fireman it don't have a white man working on a tntech pole nowhere in the country you don't have a white man in customs. All the jobs, right, across the board that people are looking for and trying to get into from where I come from. Because if you get a look in the customs or you get police or you go in the army, or, it's a big step up for you from where I come from. People are looking for them types of jobs. You get a little customs work, you're good to go. You know, you get into TSTT, you're making a nice little salary. Not one white man in none of them positions. Every company that you go to, the white people, are in senior positions. I I I know remember I, I now born as a teenager, so I now realizing this for the first time and starting to say, but wait, I studying hard, I think I see people who ain't doing so well and how they struggle, but you telling me none of them white boys, all of them doing good, all of them bright, all of them t- is entrepreneurs, all of them own house and land and them kind of thing. So I be, I start to become more aware that at this point in time. And starting to see where starting to read more about how we end up in this position. So I'm reading more books about the history of black people, how we reach in the Caribbean. So I starting to get into slavery now and starting to understand who are landowners, how they get land. I starting to understand what has happened with Haiti, what happened with Jamaica, what happened with Trinidad. I starting to understand it, how, how the slavery in the States was different to the slavery. I starting to see the picture. And listen, I've done bubbling inside of me for England already, which I still have some of them bubbling. Maybe I'll be grow, um, what do you call it now? Um, maybe I will evolve past that at some point, but not now. But I still have this thing where I do like it. And then I starting to see now wh- all the jobs I call there and all the professions we have and all the people who building up this country or, or, or all my heroes. I remember at a young age too, was the first time I realized that Dennis Brown and all these people as rasters. I didn't know that. I was listening to reggae music all the time. Me and realize it's Rasta. Jamaican music really changed me a lot, you know, because when I see the people who were doing Jamaican music, I realized my image in my mind was not black Rasta people. My image in my mind was a very polished, little brown skin or white-looking person, you know what I mean? Because I might have had a tainted image of what success looks like or supposed to look like, right? Again, somewhere, the story going somewhere. Let's stay with me, right? So... As a young person, and I have that level of consciousness, I'm very race aware. I'm very I paying attention to what people say to me and so on. And at that point in my life, I realized, listen, you see that word and nigger and and word, I wouldn't stop saying that. I don't, I don't like it. it. It's offensive to me at that point in time. No, look at that. Come full circle, because now I don't care. I don't care who. I don't even agree with white people. Care say white people can say whatever they want. I, that don't bother me in one bit. 
but apart now my uncle who shall remain unnamed right who's a, a cool cool dude let me put my disclaimers up front he's he passed away now so rest in peace to him but cool cool dude nice fella to be around and so on but you ever was around people who they're nice and everything but they have um they have degrees of blackness that they're willing to put up with that's something that's bothering me up to today when i say degrees of blackness i mean skin color right so if you're black but you're real light like gary griffin you're okay. You 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 could pass kind of thing. You know what I mean? So you're passing the shade test, but it don't just be complexion. No, complexion is a big issue, but it's also how you speak. So if 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 you're real dark, but you're well spoken, well spoken boy, you know. So use a good one. You ever hear that term bandied about? Like he's one of the good ones. And or if you study and you have a degree, or you're driving a nice car, you're living in a nice area, you you have a you're married outside your race. All these things are points for you to be more accepted by certain people. And as nice as he was as a person, this guy I'm talking about, he was one of them people to me. I find so because as a young fellow, them days at in Fatima, and I, mm, doing relatively okay. I guess I go in Fatima. That was okay on its own. And I was always headed towards academics and them things. I was, you know what I mean? I, I always wanted that for myself. So I was accepted by him as one of the good ones. He not surrounding himself with black people. So if you have, if, if I was the same person liming on the block, he not trying to be around me. You get me? But he cool and everything. So we liming and talking at the end. It's, it's joke session, right? So we telling jokes. That used to be a thing long time, right? When you had no phone and thing. Everybody stood on the gallery. And he had to go joke for joke. Everybody telling jokes. And listen, that man tell me a joke that make me feel sick to my stomach. Physically sick. You know what that man tell me? <laughs> Here the joke. I'm giving you the joke just how he give me the joke. Eh? He say, a fellow was um, driving a truck delivering some bowling balls, right? So while he driving, delivering the bowling balls, the, the back of the van full of bowling balls. Eh? So he driving and he hearing them rolling around and saying, so, driving through a lonely part of the, the highway now, he bounced up a fellow with a, with, a, with a bicycle. Like, the bicycle have a flat. So, he pull aside and he say, yeah, what's going on? I could get a ride, you know. The fellow say, yeah, I just want to ride to the closest gas station and I get back my tire, pump up and thing. He say, well, hear what? I could get a ride, but I had to go in the back and no space in the front here. But it's bowling ball in the back there and they're rolling all about and things. So you have to be careful if you can hold on in the back there. The man say, yeah, no problem. So you open the back door for the van, the, for the truck. The fella jump in and he close back the truck. So no police can see you. There's no open trail or nothing. Everything in close. No police can see any. And he any bowling ball rolling. So he open the little fella right in the back there. When he reached now to deliver the thing, the fella come out, the, the fella who he delivering it for come out to open the back. When that man pull the, 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 the lever for the thing and open the back, that man say, Way! Look at nigga egg! And one done hatch and see for bicycle already. <laughs> Listen, I, I laughing now. I know no laughing matter. I just gain only the joke again. Now, to tell you the truth, right? My level of sensitivity is so low now, or high or whatever. Them things care about me again. If you tell me that joke now, I laugh to like cry. But back then, I wanted to fight. At the old joke night and thing done at that point in time. Don't want nigga egg. Listen, from the time he said nigga egg, I was done vexed already. I'm boiling when he said nigga egg. But the punchline is really one done hatch and teeth for bicycle already. <laughs> well, boy, I'm more vexed now. I want to fight. I want to kill him. 
But the point I'm making about comedy is this. The reason I can laugh about it now is because my sensitivity to those things I'll, I'll, I'll get dull. I don't know why it is. I'm not easily offended by those things. You can say them things to me. Uh, a joke is a joke. It's not a real thing. And also, it gives me an opportunity to see exactly who you are. Because that is not a joke I would make very easily. I was I was in two minds whether to tell a joke on the, on the podcast at all. You see, this is why I do do clips, you know, because somebody could clip out that piece and put that out as me telling that kind of joke and try and mash up my career. That's why I don't like pulling too much clips and things. But uh, if you tell me that joke now, I, I probably laugh. I just, I, at least I will not be as offended and I don't want to fight nobody and thing. I just go and say, well, all right, that is who you is. If you find that as a joke, I don't find that funny. And I'm good to stay away from you. I don't want to fight you. I don't want to see you lose your job. I don't want to see nothing happen to you and thing. Because at, at that moment, I was angry. I was boiling. I was sick to my stomach. Now I could actually repeat that and laugh a little bit. <laughs> Back then, it was nothing like that. Now, trust me, all these stories have a moral, right? Fast forward to me working in TSTT. Many, many years after. And when I do, the, the other thing called ARN, right? A, a, what I used to call ARN. ARN was a order we used to change responsibility. So let me say you want to put the phone in somebody else's name. So you move out your apartment and somebody new come in. You had to take it off your name and put it to their name. What used to happen at ARN is both people had to come in. Both all they had to sign saying it going from Corey Shepard to Michael Roberts, right? And we sign over. I have to pay over everything that was on the bill before. And then it could cut over clean with you starting with a zero bill, right? And that was a little, that was a long, you didn't look forward to doing that order when you was working TSC. It was a little bit of a lengthy process. And now you had two people in front of you who may or may not know one another or like one another or whatever it is. And you used to do it, if, I don't, if I'm not mistaken, somebody working TSC, you were correct, man. You also used to do it when somebody passed away, if I'm not mistaken. Like the person who named the phone on pass away, you used to have to do it to put it on the new person's name, right? Uh, so you would go through this very long order. So you have you have to sit down with the people there for a long time and go through this process and then pay the bill and pay and the, the, the next person might have to pay a security deposit and boy it was a long transaction, right? Never like doing it. One day, I pull a customer. You press the number. You can't even see who there. I pull a customer and the customer came and tell me he come to do a ARN. Now this is in the nineties. Eh? This. It, this is probably early 2000s. Yeah, if I were in Park Street at the time, that is probably 2003, 2004. Right? Now, the, the fellow comes to my desk. He was looking a little depressed is the best way I could put it, right? That's my, my very immature interpretation of what I was seeing in front of me. The person looked very, very depressed. So I call him. I say, yeah, you, 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 what are you come to do today? He say, you want to change the name on the bill. So my first thing is, I'm glad I get out of this ARN because you can't change that if the next person didn't come with you. So I say you have a letter. But I think you could have, if the person wasn't with you, you had to come with a letter and a copy of the ID and all this kind of nonsense. So I ask him, I say, well, you can't do that without the person. You, know, you have to have permission on a letter. He said, no, I don't have thing from the person. He say, I changed my name and I changing it over to thing. So now I saw is a name change. He changed his name, so he had a gay name change. I say, right, where are the documents for the name change? Boy, this man hand me the documents for the name change. Only for me to be reading through it and see that it is a, is a, is a sex change. Back then, we didn't used to say transgender, you know, it's a sex change. So the man changed. I I, up to today, I can't tell you. 
if it's a man who was transitioning to a woman or a woman who was transitioning to a man. I can't, I, my best guess is that it's a man who transitioned into a woman. And that's just because, as far as I'm concerned, look like a man. Right? And, boy, when I see that and I read that thing, I get so vexed. I was vexed. I was, my blood was boiling. I get sick to my stomach. I was like, what, what is this? Why I had to deal with this transaction? Because back then, I, I talking about now being open to people in the LBGT community. I wasn't always so. I wasn't always so. Back to uh, 2003, is, is, um, let me call it 20 years ago, I went through this transaction. I was not as enlightened or informed or anything or sensitive to, to people around me or anybody else's experience. At that time, I'm myopic. I only care about myself and my experience is the only one that matters. And anything too far out of the realm of my experience is not to be discussed or worse yet presented in front of me. That's who I am at the time. And I was so vexed. I went and I get my supervisor. The thing I said, I said, Dread, where's this? This man come with a sex change thing. I'm not doing this transaction, you know. And I never did the transaction. The supervisor had to go and see about it. I sit down in the supervisor office and the supervisor went and do the transaction. Until I, until that person leave, I was not going back by my desk. And I regret that up to today. Up to today, up to talking about this now. That is something that I regret. I don't have much regrets, you know, but I regret that. And the reason I regret it is this. You see me, where I am now in my life, whatever or whoever is presented in front of me, so whatever circumstances somebody or not, or whoever comes to me, my first thing is that this person is a human being and they're catching hell just like me. Because everybody catching hell. Everybody find this life hard. And it's just one of them things. I want to read something for you real quick. I ain't straining. I'm just reading something for you. Just stay with me. I'm going somewhere. Right? Life is difficult. This is a great truth. One of the greatest truths. It is a great truth because once we truly see this truth, we transcend it. Once we truly know that life is difficult. Once we truly understand and accept it then life is no longer difficult. Because once it is accepted, the fact that it is difficult no longer matters. That is from Scott Peck in The Road Less Traveled. And that's how I try to live now. That's the best book I ever read. I see The Road Less Traveled is one of the books that changed my life completely, among with many, um, many others that came after. But that one is when I realized as a damn fool, I need to keep calm. I'm not on this earth alone. And you had to respect other people. And uh, you, you understand? And... um. That's why I regret it, because I treated that person like less than human. For what? For my own ego, for my own issues, for things that I don't understand? If I was to meet somebody like that today, the person would get fed up with me just like Mr. Shaq last week. Because I got four hours worth of questions for the person, if they would humor me in the way that Mr. Shaq humor me. Largely because I'm rather i in a position in life now where I much rather understand than condemn. I don't understand what somebody would be feeling or go through to say you want to change your gender from a man to a woman or a woman to a man. I don't understand what it means when you say you don't want to be no gender at all. I don't understand. And if I presented with somebody that I don't understand, that immediately becomes the most interesting person I have met in a long time. Like, I just go back to my questions about Mr. Shaq. Half the questions I'm asking him is because... I don't understand what it's like to stand up on a stage in front of thousands of people and sing a song and remember them lines and not write down lyrics, but you, you, you compose a whole song. I, I don't understand, so I'm fascinated by it. And it would be the same if I was to meet somebody who transitioned and I want to know, tell me everything. I want to learn. I want to understand. And it really comes from 
understanding what, what Dave Chappelle said in his special was that Daphne told him that I am having a human experience. I don't need it to understand. I just need it to know that I'm having a human experience. And that's my default position. Once I meet somebody or I talk to somebody, I understand that you're here having a human experience. There are some things that you like. There are some things you don't like. There are some things that uh, turn you off. There are some things that turn you on. And it's going to be... And if more different it is from me is the more eager I am to learn about you or from you. And I genuinely believe that the more we do things like that, is the easier this world going to be. Now, what's the correlation between them two stories? My correlation is this. A big part of what would have helped me to see people differently, whether they have any experience that I agree with, understand, all that don't matter. A big part of what helped me see that differently is the very thing we start this episode by talking about. It is the representation that people had in many different shows. Because sometimes you don't like a character already. You don't like gay people. You're, you're anti that, Right? But you end up liking a character and I show the character to not to be gay. And you yourself realize now that you have plenty more tolerance than you thought that you had in the beginning. Tell me if it's true or not true. And if I tell nonsense, if I talking nonsense, only tell me. You yourself start to realize that you're plenty more tolerant than you were before. I put in it to you that the same thing is going to happen to you. If you end up, if your partner is yours or if your girlfriend turn out to be gay, you're gonna you, you, you well, I guess that could go both ways, eh? But more than likely, if you're a reasonable person, you're going to realize that you're plenty more tolerant than you thought. And you could be cool with anybody. It's really not as serious. I mean, the fact that we're going through an era here where you have to declare who you're with and what you like and so on is ridiculous and funny on its own. And uh, the next generations that come, that will not be a thing at all. The idea that you have to say a straight or a gay or this or that. Or, and we go on deep into identifiers in this era too. There's plenty of identifiers going down. But comedy also make me change the way I see things a lot. And uh, going back to that joke with the nigga egg joke, right? <laughs> in, a, in a funny and sordid way, that helped me soften my stance on what, what I would have called before racism or bigotry, whatever the word you want to call it. It helped me soften my stance on that. And comedy does that a lot. So when I see the transgender community kicking up against Dave Chappelle multiple times for talking about them and making jokes about them, I always feel like, hey, all you're going about this the wrong way. All you should probably thank Dave Chappelle for shedding so much light on your community and the struggles of your community and the nuances because he's not, he's also not an average comedian. He's not me trying to tell some watery stale joke here every week about um, Kamala and Rowley and, and Gary Griffith and them. He is the top of the class, the best storyteller I've ever heard. Oh, the, the most viewed comedian in the world right now. Every time he puts a special, it is the most viewed thing on Netflix when it comes out. So when you have somebody, when you have somebody like that who is talking about you, even though he's joking, he's poking fun at you, right? I, I don't think they understand how much that is disarming other people. Now, I, I'll talk to the struggles of that community in a minute, right? But those same jokes that you're all so against is what causing people to learn a little bit more about all you, understand what is happening in your community, understand what the, all these letters mean. Because we, and if I stick in my normal circles, we will never talk about transgender struggles or nothing like that. But Dave Chappelle is the one and other comedians and other people in media or artists and on a whole are the ones who are going to open up your mind about it, shed some light on it, funny or not, serious, funny, however you want to call it, that is what's do it. It's like, it's like in this era we're living in where 
the documentary sometimes more important than the things that happen. Consider Dave Chappelle your documentarian. He has done five specials so far. Almost every single one. I think there's only one where he didn't bring up transgender issues directly. That might do, might turn out to do more for your community than what you're fighting against because you're saying he hates. It's like what hate speech, man making jokes. There's no hate speech in it whatsoever. As a matter of fact, the closer come closest to being because <laughs> so that's the point he was like, yeah, I went in the fight club stance. He was, but he joking. You understand? And he also put in any special for you here that he was good friends and, and created opportunities for a transgender woman by the name of Daphne who was on his shows. And on Sticks and Stones, unfortunately, I hope it had nothing to do with the, 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 the sad uh, and an unfortunate suicide of Daphne or the backlash from this special. I doubt it's the backlash from this special, right? When you're going to Sticks and Stones, I don't know if you all saw this, but there was an episode two on the Sticks and Stones where he spoke about Daphne. This is not his first time he's talking about Daphne. He went in in depth and talk about the fact that Daphne used to come to his shows, laugh at all his jokes, this, that, that, and the other, and they, they became friends and all them things. He, 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 the man talk about it in depth at the end of one of his specials, like a bonus clip where he was just going through his making of the special. So the, the, the genuinity in him being friends with her, it's it unquestionable. So people who are coming out now and saying that Dave Chappelle using the friend. You know, like people say they have one black friend. Using the one transgender friend as a ticket to say what he wants about. I put it into people that he does not need to have a transgender friend to say that wherever he wants about the transgender community, Dave Chappelle is say wherever he wants about whoever. He managed to make jokes about the most difficult topics that we could possibly discuss. He does not hesitate to put his finger in the saw on any issue. And I appreciate that. I appreciate that. He, 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 the man covers slavery in a way that we, we as people who would have, we the byproduct of the of the slave trade, uh, and I talk about both slave owners and 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 people who were enslaved. All of us are byproducts of that. All of us struggling with how to cope with that, how to deal with one another. I have a, I have a, I have a partner who in, in, in who's living in Augusta, as dark as it could be, and he in charge of white people in Georgia. And one of the first things I asked him, I said, boy, how are you managing this, boy? How are people who, from their ancestors, would have been not just slave owners, but members of the KKK and that kind of thing. And now they might have report a black Ghanaian, Trinidadian man, big and strong too. How that going to go down? And he, he was basically saying, listen, I see you see some of it. The people don't know how to approach it, but they don't want to be offensive. Take it that people who went through whatever side of the divide you were on back then, in, in today's world, whatever side, wherever your ancestors went through, you struggling to come to terms with that up to today. And Dave Chappelle talking about that, have, have man like me laughing at them thing. That is a genius. That takes a lot to be able to accomplish. So I, I, I think the transgender community going about this completely wrong when only 12 people outside Netflix come to protest that don't watch Dave Chappelle. If you don't find it funny, don't watch it. And he tell you that in so many of his different specials. He always tell you, listen, you click my face if you're watching me on Netflix. There's a joke he telling me closer to where he said, a woman follow him to his car. And when she come up to the car to tell him, uh, you hate women and this and that and the... He kind of asked her, well, where is he my act? <laughs> he said, you could have buy a ticket and all that. You could have watched it on Netflix. Maybe that's where you see it. Or did I follow you? 
to your car in public and come to tell you about why I don't like about you and I don't. That's a big difference. You can't just follow people in your road, real people. This man doing an act that you could pay to go and see or pay a subscription to see. Dave Chappelle not going in front of no transgender person and say, hey, you see you? You are this, that, and that. The man doing an act is clearly a comedy show. Now, just sticking with the closer alone, right? There had some few, a, a few things that stood out as well to me. So I, I could get through this closer thing. I don't want to owe nobody. In the closer, they had a joke he make, right? He's the best at callbacks, right? Where he says something. <laughs> and then later on, after he done laugh and that, do you think that pass? He comes back around and make the same joke in a different way or the same punchline in a different way. Kind of call back to the same punchline, right? There was one special he did about O.J. Simpson. <laughs> where he talk about the four times he met O.J. Simpson. There's that masterpiece, if you ask me. In callbacks and, 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 and keeping you... Keeping one story running for a whole hour with several different themes throughout, right? He did that with a with a joke in this in this episode, which I feel like this whole episode spoke to the transgender community, if you if you ask me, and in particular the black transgender community. The joke was where he say it had some people from another planet and they come here and they went to take over the planet and make it their own and so on. They were so glad we let them in, but now they're taking it over. And he said they're making a movie about it. And the movie name. Is space Jews. <laughs> it's never gonna be as funny as I say it when I say it, right? So please go back to Dave Chappelle and don't stop letting me butcher the man jokes, right? But he also used the same reference or a call back to it when he said that a black fellow was so fascinating. He was a slave and he bought his own freedom and that kind of thing. And surprisingly, in the end, he went and he bought back slaves too, right? And you're saying that, listen, there's an incentive building to do that. You're doing what it takes to be successful in society. It seem, When you look back at it now, it seems odd, but this is what people do. And he said that they're making a movie about it and they're calling it Space Jews. Remember that joke? It might have seemed like them two jokes stand out on their own, eh? but I think it was a direct reference and a direct call to the black people in the LBGTQIA plus community. And let me tell you why. Because he making a joke about Jews, right? Where Jews were very, very oppressed people and went through the worst. Sometimes they tell you the Holocaust was worse than slavery when we're trying to compare suffering, right? Which he also spoke about in a special. And what he's trying to say is, while y'all had suffered, y'all grow, like you, you, you come to take over the planet now. No, you was a slave, but you come to buy slaves. That's what he's saying about Jews. Y'all suffer the worst among the thing now. And now, when only on top, only causing people to suffer. Go and look back at what he was saying about his own special and not being able to use his name anywhere in the universe. In perpetuity. And he had to fight to get her back. Go back and see what happened with the record industry and who signing artists and who in control of all the music that we listen to in the world. Go and look at who in control of media. So he using Jews. I mean, that's more of a, a, a US reference than a, than a thing that, that we talk about in the Caribbean, right? But you should know if you're in popular culture what Jews did. And he... he, he I haven't heard any of the Jews come out and say that he was offensive. I forget to stop watching him by now, or they're willing to laugh at themselves and that kind of thing. Because, I mean, every joke have a little bit of truth. And if you hold on to that truth too tight, that is the part that is offending. Now, how is that speaking to the LBGTQIA plus community, the black part of that community? I think he basically coming out and say that there was an earlier part in his special where he said that a black 
gay person would have never called the police on him like a white gay person. Because when the police come, the police don't ask who is Clifford. The police is just, the police is shoot. So black people t- typically don't call police on one another in the States because of this reason, right? Go back to the history of the States and, and they're, they're coming out of Jim Crow laws and so on. And go, go back and read about why black women don't call police on their men. This is, this is a, this is a common thread, right? This is happening. There's, there's, there's a, that's something that is said and, and practiced in many black communities in the States. I, me in the States, I hear we are not no minority in this country and I don't like to call police, right? So, he basically saying that white gay people or white people in the LBGTQIA plus community, they are minorities until they need to be white again. What he's saying is that they are underprivileged and oppressed and all that until they need to start back oppressing. I, I'm not sure if people was picking up how heavy that special was. You know? That special was heavy. He basically saying that white transgender or LBGTQIA plus people are space Jews. What he's saying is that the black part of the LBGTQIA plus community is fighting with them as if they are equal. And when they transcend whatever oppression they're taking, they are going to become enslaved. They are going to become, they're going to be left behind. The white part of that movement is going to separate itself from the black part of that movement like they always do and they do it now. And then they're going to enjoy the freedom and black people will still be where they are. So when he was saying that I'm jealous of where black people, uh, the black people as a black man, I'm jealous of your movement and how fast it's moving along. He's talking specifically to the black part of that movement without saying it. And he's saying, listen, while you're supporting these people, y'all are the ones coming out to cancel and to this and to that when I say anything. But y'all are going to be the ones who are left behind. The man said, you know, he said it before with the women's movement and the Me Too movement where he was saying, and it's one of the best jokes. I don't even know if to call where he says jokes. But that when he said that, it made me stop and think. What, what I'm referring to is there was a special where he said that um, by any stretch of the imagination, the end of apartheid should have been a bloodbath. And he's right. When you lock up the leader of Mandela for so long, who the whole world know you lock up unjustly, and you, and you have him locked up unjustly, while the whole rest of the world involved in the calls to let this man be free. The man who came out and sought peace was Mandela. Don't forget that, right? When Mandela came out, he was the one who was saying, no, we had to work together. If we had to find equality and we had to find peace, we had to offer equality and peace. And he went and he found the spring box and went with the rugby team. Remember the little movie? One of the biggest symbols of oppression of black people was that spring box thing. And that was the signal symbol for the, the rugby team at the time, who was almost all the way white. In a, in a black country. And it was the biggest sport of the country and all that at the time. And Mandela went to them and embraced them. And Matt Damon was the captain of the team. And he went and talked to him. And in that moment, I mean, them fellas is actors, right? So you had to respect um, you had to respect Matt Damon as an actor and Idris Elba as well. Where you could see both of them meek reaching out to one another. Not just the handshake, the spiritual outreach where Matt Damon started to see Listen, this is a respectful man. This is a man to be respected. This is not... You can't just watch a black man and say, he black, leave him in the back. So he was saying that by any stretch of the imagination, it should be a bloodbath. But for us to find a resolution, everybody had to be safe to come out and say what they did. 
because the system is to be on trial and not the individuals. He, he said, I, it'd be so clear. Maybe I just watched these specials way too much because I had to confess that many, many times during the beginning of this podcast, maybe the first 50 episodes, that's the beginning. I used to watch Dave Chappelle specials like over and over before I start to record and over and over when I finish record because of how he tells stories and how he carries the whole thing. I try to emulate that. So anyway, he said he said it, 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 resolution. People had to be able to be free to come and say what they did, how the system incentivized them. You have to expose the system. But if you crucify the people... The, the, what you're doing is creating an incentive for the system to remain intact because then they will hide. They will. Not. There's one point he said, with, with, I think it was Ben Affleck, Ben, ben Affleck, who said, yeah, for you all women, I want to help this movement. And so, and he say, you touch a titty in 1985. And he say, I'm out. I'm out. Because now you're, you're trying to attack and crucify me. All of us did the wrong things. Once the system set up for people to benefit from the wrong, as he said in the closer, is an incentive. You're going to follow that incentive. So he, he was he was directly speaking to people in the, in the black uh, part of that community to say, hey, careful, careful. And he said it in his own way too. You know, he said, hey, we, you, 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 when you say our community, you say where you're from, you're from, from Transylvania, we're talking about our community. In other words, he's saying you're black first. And you will be told that you're black first, as was the case with a woman by the name of Sojourner Truth. So, so Jonah Trude was a black woman. 1851, I think is the year he's talking about, eh? where they had a, a lady by the name of Susan B. Anthony who was leading a women's movement so that women could get equal rights. Draw the parallel from between the women's rights movement back then and the movement for the LBGTQIA plus community now. And I talk in the States, I'm here talking Trinidad yet. Is as an oppressed community, people don't understand, people don't want them to... But I say people, white men basically was in control then. And they, they, as far as they're concerned, women were not equal. Women, Men were more powerful than women. The, the argument was that men are more powerful, men are more intellectual, and the Bible gives men the right to be in control. So of course, we, we, we only where we are today, where women can tell you any damn thing they feel and like cook when they want. They ain't cook yet. They buy Popeyes and all kind of thing. We only where we are now because plenty of women suffer for us to get to this point, right? And Susan B. Anthony was one of those ladies. And she was the head of the women's movement at the time. And Sojourner Truth was a black woman who was a part and wanted, well, a part of the movement, you had to say, fighting for civil rights and them kind of thing. And when she came on with uh, Sojourner Truth and the squad to fight for women's issues, they asked her not to speak because she black. And Susan B. Anthony was reported as saying she did not want to conflate the issues with women's empowerment and development with the issues with black people. I hope you understand what she means when she said that, right? What she basically saying is, I want to put women forward. You see that black issue you coming with it? That will keep we back. Uh, just understand what that means, right? Be, and if, if you're not sure what that means, what that means is, when I say women's empowerment, I talk about white women, you know? All the black people have to fight, all they fight for all themselves. So fast forward to today. When they're calling for equality for LBGTQIA plus people, I hope black people don't feel they mean them. I hope they don't feel they mean we. Because when they get their empowerment and their, their equality and thing, 
Uh, gonna be gonna be goodbye. But I want to read part of what Sojourner Truth was saying because Sojourner Truth is one of the most powerful women who ever lived, and she has a speech called uh, "Ain't I a Woman?" It's somewhere between. Well, they say it's delivered in 1851. She lived from 1797 to 1883. It's at the Women's Rights Convention, the Old Stone Church in Akron, Ohio. And I want to read a little excerpt from it, right? Not the whole speech. She said, that man over there says that women need to be helped into carriages and lifted over ditches and to have the best place elsewhere. Nobody ever helps me into carriages or over mud puddles or give me any best place. And ain't I a woman? Look at me. Look at my arm. I have plowed and planted and gathered into barns and no man was there to help me. An entire woman? I could work as much and eat as much as a man when I could get it and bear the lash as well. And ain't I a woman? I have born 13 children and seen most most all sold off to slavery. And when I cried out with my mother's grief, none but Jesus heard me. And ain't I a woman? They talk about this thing in the head. What is it they call it? Somebody said intellect, and she said that's it. What's that got to do with woman's rights or Negro's rights? If my cup won't hold but a pint and yours holds a quart, wouldn't you be mean to not, not let me have my little half measure full? That's just a little piece of speech. I go back and find that. Look for Sojourner Truth and look at what a woman has said. Them things moving, you know. And he referred to it in a special. I want you to think of this, right? If the argument for not giving women equal rights in the 1800s was number one, all you're not as strong as us. Number two, all you're not as smart as us. As number two is Jesus, God, right? the Bible and, and so on. Take number one. Your biggest issue is that you're weaker than men physically. You have women there who working for no living. You know, you say working for a living. Them working without a living. They working just for, for, for place to stay and things to eat, right? Enslaved, getting licked, getting raped, getting your children sold off, making children for the purpose of slavery. Not for the slavery, which part you is, you know? For the purpose of selling slaves. You, you are a business. You are, you are a cow. You are, you, are, you are cattle. You are livestock. So you are there to be slaughtered and to produce. To enjoy no freedoms and to have no joys, right? That's your purpose in life. Who better than those women? For you to get and say, hey, all you're saying, we weaker than all you, right? As women. Look at these women we bring here. They're stronger than all you. They're working harder than all you. They're seeing about all your children. You understand what I mean? If there was a genuine movement called a woman's movement at that time, the black women at that point in time would have been the people to put at the forefront, if not lead that call to say, we're stronger than all you. We're smarter than all you because look at how we surviving. We find and joy. We singing songs. We enjoying our life despite the conditions all you have in us, uh, us in. So all you can't tell you about intellect. And it's, it, who, who you, when you when you're talking about the Bible and you have a God given right, this is the same God that's telling you to rape and beat and kill. This is the same God because if that is the God, we can't go with that. We not we refuse to go with that. But white women again. 
they was hearing that Susan B. Anthony say, listen, you could come, but don't speak. I don't want to conflate the two issues. And there was a famous statement she made, you know, I don't want to misquote it, but she had said that almost like I'd rather die before I put the black issue before the woman's issue. That's, that's, that's only woman. So when we when we say in today about being feminist, right? When we say he say yes, <laughs> and talking about women's rights, just remember where those women's rights rights movements started from. Eh? Just 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 keep that in mind. So when 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 you fast forward to the issues the LGBTQIA community facing today, which are legitimate issues, as I said in the beginning of this episode, I believe that everybody should be equal. Right, regardless of where you come from, or where you do, or where you look like, or who you like, or even where you want to be called, I think Dave Chappelle was sending a very clear signal to tell all you: listen, when this movement go through, all the black people are not going to be a part of that. You know? <laughs> all you going to still be black, you know, and in the back. And he said so clearly that number one, he said in our earlier special where it was easier for Bruce Jenner to change her name. Than it was for no sorry to change her gender than Cassius Clay to change his name, right? But he came back and made reference to that in this. He say, Caitlyn Jenner, sorry, in the, in her first year as a woman, was awarded Woman of the Year by the media. I, I don't know if any well, I mean again, let me don't mix up Trinidadian issues with US issues because in in, in Trinidad and the Caribbean, everybody see the BS behind that. But in the States, it was lauded as a big move and a big thing for the LBGTQIA plus community. It's a big step forward. She was named the most brave woman. I don't know if you all remember that. Eh? And people of the community, let me talk to Trinidad, LBGTQIA plus community. No, we're going to tie up in this. Or no? I hope that we here locally not getting tie up in that. Because the reality is that I want you to think for a second first. If it was a black man transitioning to be a black woman. If they had any possibility whatsoever of becoming woman of the year, the answer to that question is no. That was not going to happen. I want to say that if a small organization had named them woman of the year, the media would have never carried that story. They would have gotten no traction whatsoever. If we're being honest with yourself, let me be honest with yourself, right? He said in an earlier special that he, he can't help but shake the thought that this is only such a big movement because white Men want to do it. And he, he had a joke in Sticks and Stones. It was, at one point, to me, the low point of Sticks and Stones. I really like Sticks and Stones as a special. Eh? But I suppose it's easier for me to relate when he's talking about black issues than when he's talking about LBGTQIA issues or the drug issues in the States and things. Them things just not as relatable to me. So I find he was talking about this thing where Everybody in the car and the game white man driving the car and the LBGT person in the back and the bisexual person in the front. And, I mean, and, and then somebody was queer was on the outside um, hitchhiking. I didn't understand it at the time. But I think after watching the close, I understand exactly what he mean. Because if you go back to Sticks and Stones, what he was saying in that, he said, the white man take over this, this struggle. He said, here what's going on? All you want to come to freedom, all you want to get past this oppression and thing, I will drive. He was saying never car with people. You had to watch it to understand anything I talk about here. He say, I will drive. He say, because I know these roads. As a matter of fact, I built these roads. He was talking about oppression. 
the white man is who create the separation that we in and he create this thing where i am here I up here and all you down here and that kind of thing. That's 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 what he was talking about. So he, when he said the white man drive, he said the white man is taking over the movement. And listen, oh, y'all want to come? We'll get y'all where y'all need to go. Don't worry, I go drive. And he had other people in the backseat and so on. I hope it's clear to people showing that hey, the white men who are in control of this movement, they're not concerned with any of us as black people who are in this movement. We are mere passengers in this vehicle that he's carrying along. And when he's done, we're going we gonna to get left by the wayside eventually. Uh, it's like, how much do I have to participate in your change in self-image? And I, I, I find I should not participate at all. If you want a job and you come and apply again, you work. If you if you're qualified for the job and you could do the job, you're getting a job. If you have a shop and you come to, I come to come to buy by you, me and KV is man, woman, or beast, I come in and buy and eat. Whatever it is you have, I, I may discriminate against nobody in no way. But am I supposed to know when I go up to somebody and I say he and them vex because he's identified as a she? I didn't know. Hard luck. I would try and call you she from now on and I go make some mistake too. <laughs> you can't go forget I will call you he. Don't feel no way. Why that had to go down as some kind of phobia? Me no transphobic, homophobic, me afraid nothing or nobody. So what I don't, I never understood it. And I was saying about my little brother in the beginning of this episode. These youths now, youths have everything figured out in my opinion. Eh? So anytime I struggle with something, I turn to youths to see where it is happening. By seeing some happening with them now, where they on the Instagram profile, for instance, or on the LinkedIn profile, you seen a lot in corporate America, where I put my name as Corey Shepherd. And you remember, I used to, I was so proud the first time I put Corey Shepherd BSc. And then I put Corey Shepard BSC MBA. I proud like hell. I used to write my letters behind my name, and anytime I create a profile and thing, you had to know I bright. Now these youths put in Corey Shepard he slash him. You all noticing that? Or I put Corey Shepard she slash her. Or I put Corey Shepard they. Now let me tell you something about me. You see the he and the she part. If you if you decide that you're gonna transition, it's it gonna go down to looks for me, you know. If you transition and you're looking like a girl and you want me to call you she, I gonna call you she. <laughs> I, 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 I will try my best. I'll probably make some mistake, but I'll call you she. So for instance, like Joel, the hairdresser in South. I call it damn woman, she woman look good. <laughs> all I can say all I want to know, make everybody say woman look good. Right? And uh, looking like a she to me. Now, if you're still looking like a fellow, a guy, and you want me to call you she, you got to remind me a few times you can go make a few mistakes, but go make an effort to call you she. If it's a girl and you're going, you're transitioning to a boy, once you tell me a couple of times, as a man is forgetter, he's not a young man. So I can't commit to saying that every single time I'll get it right. But this is why I, I, I'm not sure that I see in these as major issues in Trinidad. I just think that as, as Trinidadians uh, in any community, we could take a joke as Caribbean people. I didn't think we're that serious. And if a man says she and a, say he, I know that you're going to try and make me lose my work and say I transphobic and I this and that. We don't have so much of that cancel culture down here anyhow. But you see the day, the day, I, I didn't think I call nobody day. I, I, sorry if this, if, if all you want to label this as transphobic and think you could feel free. But I'm not going through the... Maybe in more enlightened generations, you see like how I laugh at the, at the, at the nigga joke. 
back in the, I couldn't laugh then, but I laugh now. I evolved to that point. Maybe if you check my 20 years from now, there a day, because I too believe, <laughs> I don't believe, you see this two-gender construct? That is man-made. Let me not forget that. that we, we like to talk about, everybody who's talking these issues like to go back to God and all this kind of thing, but the idea of a man and a woman is man-made. It might well have plenty other genders, but what I could tell you is that my little English training makes it very difficult for me to call any individual they. It will confuse me too much. I'm sorry I can't do it, but you're seeing people on their profile now putting up they and those like And Dave Chappelle was, was, was going back to say, hey, how much I have to participate in your self-image. If you, if your image of self is this, why you had, why had to change up my pronouns? And he, he, he quickly said, nigga is a pronoun. This is, listen, this man is a genius. A G, he basically telling them that, listen, you ain't changing up nothing. So why I had to be a part of changing up? And he say it in closer again. He say, as soon as I feel like these white people figure out and again on top of them, he say, I'm a girl now. Treat me as such. <laughs> But I think he's right. I think he's right. I'm going to sum up this because this is going on for a long time. But to sum this up, right? I think it's really very fair for Dave Chappelle to say that he was talking to white men all along. If, if you listen listen back to his specials after you go through the closer, go back to the first one, go through them in order. The first one was in Texas. Uh, if you go back through all those, he was always, I mean, the message he have is always about where are black people now as part of the black community? And uh, is, 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 I don't even want to say attacks because I don't even see him as attacking white people. The man making his observations and saying things as they are. And it always directed towards, towards the white man. So you just go back to it and look at how he constructed it. And I want to say again that Dave Chappelle is an outright genius. He should be, he should be, we, we should frame him up and pay him in glass. Don't let that man get COVID no more. You know what I mean? We can't afford to risk a national treasure or treasure in the community like that. I, uh, he's, it is surreal how long he does a special for without telling any jokes. He's talked for a long time and just throwing a few jokes in there. But I want you all to go back to it with the airs that you have now. And, 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 and this is, this might be half of it. Maybe I'll revisit it the next day too because. It's not just the woman or the gender issue he does this with. Maybe I'll do a breakdown a day of the way he treats with uh, black versus white issues in several different ways. That uh, At first, it seems very, very surface. Like if you remember the story about Iceberg Slim, it seems like it's very real surface talk and you're just listening to a little comedy show. But I just want to put it to you that is, when you're listening to Dave Chappelle, listen deeply is much more than that each time. Coincidentally, Dave Chappelle dropped something on his Instagram today talking about the fact that he's cancelled, saying openly that the people at Netflix have never reached out to meet with him. The LBGTQIA plus community never reached out to meet with him. And he said that he will, but he have three conditions under which he will meet with them. Go and check out his Instagram and you will see what them three conditions are. <laughs> Hannah Gatsby name call. I personally find that Hannah Gatsby is funny, very, very funny. Her special on Netflix was number one for a while. But I will tell you this. The length of time that was number one and listed as the only number one, <laughs> she ain't that funny. She's no Dave Chappelle. She's no Bill Burr. She's not on that tier of top class comedians. But I can tell you again, that same media was pushing Hannah Gatsby 
as the top comedian in the country for a long time. It was listed as the number one special on Netflix for a long time. So I just, I just put in this question out there, right? What is the media agenda? If 12 people who protesting for Netflix becoming an international, a global story, it had more media covering that Netflix protest than it had protesters. Go and watch it for yourself. When you see the video or anything on YouTube with it, you're seeing more cameras behind the people than they actually have people. In that same protest, a man who come up with a sign saying, I like Dave, they mash up the man's sign and they move from just, not just mash it up, but somebody say, he have a weapon. And here was your weapon, the same stick that he had the thing on that they mash up and they have the stick, they say he have a weapon. So so when you when you hear Dave Chappelle talk about stop punching down on my people, I just want us to leave this episode with the understanding that what Dave Chappelle is saying is there's a clear delineation between what is that community and black people. And if black people feel they are, they, that they are part of that movement, I encourage you to go back and read up on Sojourner Truth. All right, let's get into some of your own local kicks and Listen, I'm feeling kind of bad now, and I'll just make an episode and laugh about the man or the man pass away. I want to say rest in peace to Imam Yassin Abubakar, died at 80 years old. Shocking, I would say. All the thing I talk about, old man, and thing ain't expecting somebody like Abubakar to, to clock out so early on me. 80 years, healthy and strong, just the other day making heavy, um, heavy statements about the state of the country and what needs to be done and so on. But boy, sad, uh, condolences to his family, Fuad and the squad. All his children and everybody down at the mosque and thing. And that boy, listen. I guess this episode is about polarizing things because this is another one that really polarizing for reasons that hard for me to understand. Like, I guess I understand how it is because that's just how we are as Trinidadians. And it's the same thing when it gets to that issue with Dave Chappelle and the LBGTQIA plus community. I'm gonna say it plenty in this episode. But um when you get into that issue, it's the same thing. Like we Somehow of the belief that whatever we see the world as and whatever we believe, everybody else should believe. And if they don't believe that, condemnation is the next step. It's not dialogue, discourse. It's not to understand what the other person says. Even if you have dialogue, it's to tell the person why they're wrong, not to understand why the person see the world the way they see it. I'm very surprised that people are shocked. That Abu Bakr have a huge following and people are saying rest in peace to him and, and condolences and seeing him as a hero. I confuse like the man lead a whole revolution with people. You're not seeing that he's a leader and he have followers and stuff. You thought you thought that follow off over the years or something. He's an imam. He have people going to the mosque there every single week. He's a father with children. He's a businessman. He's a part of the society, whether we like it or not. People feel he should be in jail. So if he had if he had gone to jail for his transgressions during the coup, people people argument is that people dead during the coup. If he had gone to jail for people during the coup, would it have been okay then if people feel sad if he die? Or because you're not sad and you upset about the coup and people's lives are lost and stuff, nobody else should feel sad. His children shouldn't shouldn't mourn. I I, I don't understand. I always say, and I say it on this podcast a lot. When somebody pass away, the only thing to say is rest in peace or nothing. Just don't say nothing. It was it was quite okay for the people who are still against the idea of Abu Bakr being free and all that. It was quite okay for you all to say absolutely nothing during the course of this week. When only find out the man dead. You all could have just stay quiet with all your sentiments inside. But somehow, I mean, we, we, we feel like the world needs to be blessed with all our thoughts, especially when opposing views are being posted. 
we had to run to social media to say, there's a man people celebrating and they forget he killed people. And Listen, I don't know. No? I, I might just see the world different where those things concern. And the same thing I talk about with my own evolution. You know? I just try not to condemn nobody because I, I have plenty in my life that I could be completely condemned for. And I just hope to be forgiven. Anybody find out about my transgressions? I I hope they could forgive me and they could they could still crack a smile with me and I'd crack a drink and laugh and joke and them kind of thing. No matter how bad it might be, I also know that I still have to wake up and live tomorrow, and I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. I don't know what transgressions or what acts I will. I never murder nobody. I never take over no country. But I also don't know what tomorrow brings. Not suggesting that I will do any of that for anybody who's listening for those for those intents and purposes. But I, I and, and and I want to be clear that I do understand why people feel like Abu Bakr should be still in jail. I feel he should be locked up. He should have been locked up. Although you see me in jail, funny, you know. I don't like nobody to be locked up, especially when you're old. <laughs> I find myself past a certain age, you shouldn't lock you up, man. When everybody, in, you see, I can't run this country, you know, because as you reach fifty-five, I learn you come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, go and slap your knee and thing, you know what I mean? Drink your beer in peace. I, I don't, I don't find people should be locked up, much less old people like that. But I mean, the punishment for the crime, the punishment didn't fit the crime in his case. And only, I only say that because I come from the standpoint of seeing what he does as a crime. Let me take one minute and pull his, uh, what is called, the foot in somebody else's shoe. Let me look at the people who saw the coup as a revolution. Now, I want you to remember that so, so, so funny how things happen. Eh? The world have a funny way of putting things together. You all read a story this week about. Is it Alec Baldwin? He's supposed to have a, well, I guess it's a prop. I don't know if it's real guns they use, but it's supposed to be used as a prop. I always thought when I hear prop gun, it's a fake gun, but it's supposed to make the movie look real. He had to use real guns, and, and I don't know if it's blanks, or if they do after effects, or they, they edit it in. I don't know how shooting is the first time I ever tried to consider what's happening in a movie where shooting concerned. And I suppose it's a serious consideration, because now... One person is injured, I believe a director and another actor or showrunner or something. I can't remember the name of the, the person or the title. But the person ended up dead. And now Alec Baldwin answering questions for this. The people, a man lost his wife. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's a serious matter. Like, if you're on a movie set and you have to use a real gun to make the story real, they don't have somebody there who's supposed to check all the rounds in there, make sure it have no live rounds, uh... Check that every time they shoot a scene and they sat, only one person have access to all the weapons on the, on, the, on the set and they check it, clean it and all those types of things. Or they don't have a rule like you don't point it directly at a person or shoot directly with the cameras we have now and the kind of editing we could do. You can't point it slightly away from the person and shoot just in case. Or will all those things follow and the woman still end up there with a live round? It's questions you have to ask yourself and I mean... When you look at Abu Bakr, it's, it's so funny how these two stories related because a big part of the story behind the coup, Google the name Bernadette James and Selwyn Richardson, who was the Minister of National Security. Bernadette James was a woman police constable who they said saw a drug deal going down in the airport between the Minister of National Security at the time and, and some, I can't remember the other person's name. And then on the next exercise, she reported on everything and she was doing her job as a police woman. And then she went on an exercise down in Shagaramas, I believe, where you would typically use blanks. And she ended up getting killed with a live round. So don't, don't, let, let's not forget that they still have people who see him as a hero and somebody who to, to look up to from then till now. 
He had a school, he had a set of children going to the school, paying the teachers and so on, put several d- d- children to school. I find it hard to see how it's unclear for both people to see either side of the fence. Like, only find nobody should have been in his funeral. He should just die by himself. And I hate to go back to Dave Chappelle. We don't spend so much time on him already. But you remember Dave Chappelle's special about Bill Cosby? He rapes, but he saves. But he saves much more than he rapes. And he only he only rapes to save. <laughs> Might be a joke, but it's relevant to what he's doing now. What he's doing now, because, I mean, the man dead. People go miss him. People look up to him and think, why would it bother you so much that people saying that rest in peace to him? That you had to come out to say, these stupid people, the parents turn in their grave, they're saying rest in peace, I walk when so much people dead and think, yes, that is, that is true. What are you saying there is true? But I don't think it needs to be said. The man, the man died. Uh, what do you want to do now? You want to you try him? You want to crucify him? What, what, what is the plan? You want to bring him back alive and scold him? Like I saw somebody say, they always wanted to ask him the question why. I can understand that too, and I understand why the news, they would have carried that story, but... I mean, he was, he was, he was alive and he's doing interviews. He's not, he's not exactly the hardest man to get onto. You could go down more crap and talk to him at any point in time. And again, if, if my mother, my mother was in, on Sackville Street when the, when the, when the, uh, headquarters blow up. So she was in the heart of the thing. If I lost my mother, God forbid, in the coup, I would not feel good about that at all. I would have hate the whole movement and all those types of things. But even as bad as that would have been for me, 30 years down the road, I'm sure I would be able to see why people see him as a martyr and as a revolutionary and those types of things. So to, to show both sides of the story, we really don't like the coup and how it destroyed the country and destroyed the capital. And you could see remnants of the coup today in the crime in the country and how long it takes for people individually to build back the business, for communities to build back, for the capital city to recover, and for all of us to recover mentally, and people like uh, Wendell Eversley, who still, you know, very much at the, at the forefront of it, and, and, and would have find it hard to move on mentally, and people who physically end up with issues. With all those things in mind, and the fact that you should not do that, and we wish that you didn't put our country in that state, we could still be big, be big enough to say, rest in peace to Imam Yasin Abu Bakr. Now, I'll talk about all the different kind of issues and there are plenty to get to in this episode, but I want to take a minute to say a happy special 10th anniversary to my sister and brother-in-law, Mr. and Mrs. Cash. Happy anniversary on the 10th anniversary. 10 years of marriage is the making. I don't know me make one yet. You know what I mean? People are watching me side-eye and all these things. So, so salute to them. My sister, she's confirmed that she's the biggest fan of this podcast, right? <laughs> I feel she right. I like to fight her and think about it. I feel she right. Because as soon as this episode published, whatever episode, the first download I see is in Maryland, USA. So salute to you all on your 10th anniversary, right? Now, I don't know if all of you are following this story, right? I'm moving to Jamaica for a minute, right? If they are a pastor in Jamaica, you see, no, I didn't clear my hand. I don't believe in none of these things, so they can't catch me in their church and them things. But a pastor by the name of Kevin Smith, and I have 41 members from our church in Montego Bay, was arrested after two people were killed. And he referred to it as a Roman Catholic sacrifice. I'm reading from the Gleaner, right? Jamaica Gleaner. Kevin O. Smith, the controversial leader of the Pathways International Kingdom Restoration Ministries, is likely to be charged today in connection with the murder of two congregants during a religious ritual. 
Smith is also facing the possibility of firearm and other charges. A third person was shot dead by the police when he allegedly attacked them as they stormed the building located on Norwood Avenue in Montego Bay, St. James. Montego Bay, St. James, right? Not our St. James. Smith, who has been in police custody since last week Sunday, was interviewed by police detectives in the presence of his attorney on Saturday. However, sources closest to the investigation said he declined to answer the question posed by the detectives from Major Investigation Division. The Gleaner understands that Smith's matter is likely to be transferred from St. James to Kingston, right? Now, this was what I was reading last week, right? Because this man have a church. As I say, it have 41 people. And when you when you just look up Kevin O. Smith, and you will see it on, on, on all the Jamaican newspapers, it's all over online. Official church, you know. And when I say official, you have to remember I'm simple-minded. Eh? So official church to me means the gown and the cross and all them things, right? The man looking like any priest you would ever see. And he had youths looking like acolyte and choir in a small church, 41 members in a big, big church. But a couple of weeks ago, if not last week, it's week before. They say that there's a human sacrifice the man performed in the church. Slay two people. And then when you, as they say here, when the police tried to raid, man, man looking to attack police and everything. So this man has been in police custody. And I really was, <laughs> boy, I planned, you know, I like, I like, I like a joke. So they had him in the police station. And like one of the police record him talking about how he's a chosen one. And he say rapture. The rapture stands for rape, torture. <laughs> so he say he say he come for the rapture. That is what he here for. So apparently man say the rapture is rape, torture. So you know what happened in the church. But the thing, I, I just saying that it looking official because when you're, in my mind at least, when you picture a cult, I picture in some dark back room looking place. Me and picturing people who looking like this and on. You don't know that Jamaica is a very, very religious society. When you see church and them things, them things, them things serious in Jamaica, you know, at all levels of society is very much in people. Real, real cultural. Very, very different to Trinidad. And the, the Christianity in particular, not just church. So when you see things like a tent crusade and thing, them thing ram. You used to see that a lot here back in the day, but you don't see it much again. But there, people just follow these things. So people following it, well, quote unquote, religiously, I guess, no pun intended. And I was going to really play that clip about that rapture thing, right? Until I get up to prepare for today's episode and see that in transferring the man from Montego Bay, if you know Montego Bay is on the north coast of Jamaica, it would take a couple hours to get on to Kingston, right? Uh, they say they're getting an accident and the man dead on the way down the road. Unfortunately, it's sad to say a policeman dead in the crash as well. Because when he, from the time I see dead, I see them police kill him. Eh? But a policeman died in the crash as well in a car crash in a place named Bog Walk in Jamaica. Um, that is it. So Pastor Kevin Smith passed away before he could even talk about him on the podcast. The whole saga and story looked like it ended. Well, I hope it ends. You know how them things just go, but it's, it's reminding me of so many so many stories like these we'd have heard before. Because you remember the Jim Jones thing was right in Guyana. So I don't know, as a, as a people in the Caribbean, are we susceptible to this kind of cult leadership? I I even want to go as far as to call it cult now, because then I go start to say everything is a cult. But we tend to follow these religious leaders. So I, I say not to say, even with somebody like this who performing human sacrifices, and he's still getting a followership. And still have family and so on. And they interview his family. The family saying, well, boy, it might be thing in his childhood. Things went wrong. You know what I mean? Uh, but it's still, is the family, is the blood. You know, it, it, it goes back again to show how with somebody like Abu Bakr, he's, it, 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 it's possible to get a following in this world. 
through I, I, I don't want to use the word misguided or make it sound like it's any ill intent, like uh, maybe what Kevin Kevin Smith would have had. But you could you could you could gather a following, and not because other people following them, them stupid and you smart. You have to reach out now to these other forty people and find out well what it is caused you all to go towards this man and believe in him so much, and start to understand if you feel you're doing something that is good that you should follow. Try you had to, you had to talk to these people. You know, this is what I mean when I talk about coming together and understanding people who are very different from us. When I say very different, I mean very different in that a priest who doing slain people and thing. Daisy people had to sit down and talk to. It might sound gruesome, it might sound it might sound repulsive, but if you start to talk to them about how are they able to have so much youths following them. You sit down and talk to somebody like Abu Bakr about how you have so much youths, adults, everybody following you. Maybe we might learn something about um how to behave in a parliament? <laughs> you think you think that might help? <laughs> because while these people are massive followings, <laughs> look, 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 look what happened in the parliament last week. So the situation is it, let me get it in a nutshell, right? All, only following this story already. This this little old now. Uh Kamala and them say the president had to go and is in direct relation to the treatment of the Police Service Commission sending up a list of new commissioners, uh, Gary Griffith being at the top of the list and so on, and then the list and get submitted, and then they had to go back and change. I, I, I Let me put it this way, right? Uh, before I even get into it, I want to say it reeks of political interference in the system. I don't like it. It makes me very, very uncomfortable. We need to have a police commissioner. that, uh, and, and I'm not saying we need to have Gary Griffith, right? But we need a police commissioner. Who can say, like Gary Griffith said, hey, I in control of this. I don't answer to no politician. No politician can summon me nowhere. Because if I had to investigate them, I had to be in the clear. I don't work for you, brother. I work for the Lord and my country. Remember Gary said that? Gary was right. He's absolutely right. That is what the police commissioner should be. The police should be separate. You see the separation of the government... I forget what they call it, you know, they, they, they have different arms of the government, the judicial, the legislature, or something. Well, the polislature too. I find all them things should be separate because you had, you had to keep in mind, right, that while you might support Rowlers or you might support Kamlers, they have Kevin O. Smiths and Abu Bakas of this world who could also lead and guide people in specific directions to their own to, to, to the, for their own benefit or just because of how they see the world. Don't forget that these people exist, right? Or, let me put it this way. Keep in mind that people like Kevin Smith exist as we discuss this topic. If you have somebody who is elected to run the country and they have Kevin Smith intentions, wouldn't you want a commissioner who is above reproach and does not report to Kevin Smith? If you have somebody like Kevin Smith who get elected, you didn't vote for him, right? But it's a democratic process, so he in charge now because clearly these guys could rule. If you have somebody like Abu Bakr who in charge of the country and ruling ruling with with with, with um SLRs over their back, wouldn't you want a president who is not reporting or who's not placed there at the behest of somebody like Abu Bakr? Well, let's stay with me. Stay with me regardless of which side of the issue you're on. Forget the issue. Forget this. Your side now, just study the issue. For, and, and forget Rollers and forget Kamala. I'm telling you, if Kevin O. Smith, a cult leader, 
who is saying that rapture stands for rape torture if he end up in charge of this country that we live in are you comfortable if he appoints the president and he appoints the police commissioner and have say over who, 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 who he decided who to put who to move who to put back who to bring back from this side who are you comfortable with kevin O'Smith? you understand what's going to happen if he have that kind of power the prime minister is not a lord or god or deity the prime minister is an employee and the police commissioner ain't no god or no lord or no nothing he's an employee of the people employee of the state let us not forget that when we're discussing these things and let us not always discuss these things where we praise and put one on a pedestal and say that the next one is the devil let me do do that because you know robinson was the devil before abu Bakr, you know so let me add that and he died a hero so let, let us not lose sight of what it is we're looking at i find this process where guy griffith was removed like guy griffith or not it reeks of direct interference where and so so the police gary put on an acting thing and then all of a sudden he suspended and it, 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 they clearly in the end did not have the, what 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 um they didn't have the required power to be able to suspend him at all or to put him in an acting position it turns out and the police service commission these are people who we entrust with these things and uh, if if we thank god we have a little media who dispose little stories and them kind of thing because if we if they don't put out this story we never know none of this happening no. and people very very focused on the behavior of the opposition in parliament last week i got to talk about that too because that was atrocious but i don't want us to lose sight of the issue and I don't want us to lose sight of what revolution looks like. It could be bloody. It it's, revolution is not a clean thing. So when you see somebody in the parliament arguing and, 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 and roughing up things and don't want to talk when the speaker talking, I just want you to take the personalities out of the equation for, for a minute. I find something like that should never happen. But what if Kevin, Kevin O. Smith was in charge and Rowley was the opposition leader? Would you be comfortable then with Rowley standing up for you and going against the speaker what about if kevin o smith had appointed the speaker they have a democratic process you know? but kevin o smith had 10 vote and all the rest of we in the country who are against him we have five votes so he put in the speaker there too would you be comfortable i just want to ask yourself these questions right before we come to too much of a conclusion on this issue i i, I don't know how it come to be suspending people who you can suspend putting people in acting position who you can put in acting position and so on and having private meeting where you refuse to disclose who was in the meeting to discuss matters associated with the police commissioner. And we have a, we have a, a strange level of comfort in this country for going long periods of time without, without a police commissioner when the most important issue facing our, our, our country is crime. But we seem to be comfortable going for lengthy periods where we don't have a police commissioner. Once again, now we don't have a police service commissioner at all. It is dangerous. It is dangerous and it is important for a democracy to have a government that functions with checks and balances. You can't go unchecked. You can't go and do whatever you want because you have the most votes and we, the only way we could stop you is for issues that have a special majority. Worrying. Uh, putting that out there as worrying. Now let me address the opposition quick, right? What we see in the parliament last week is exactly what I've been saying over the last few weeks about politicians in our country. We, we, we want to have 
in high esteem, people like the leader of the opposition, not just leader of the opposition, but ex-prime minister, uh, and senior councillor, queen's councillor, whichever one she is, whichever one is the bigger one, the one she have, right? And, 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 and learned people, let's not forget that these people are some of the best and brightest people in the country. And funny enough, I'll tell you something, right? No matter which side of the political divide you're on, or if you like politicians or you like me, you don't like them. If you get to sit down and talk to one of them for a while, you will like them. You get me? You're going to start listening to them. Because they're charismatic. They t- and in, in, in mo- they genuinely want to help people, at least for all of them who I have met. Right? But the behavior and the decorum, I think we're losing, we, we losing that quick. I hear Blaze and them ask a question on the radio this morning. Well, you know how their show is good, right? It turned into a whole kicks thing. But it was a real good question they asked. They asked, is there a politician who you see as a role model? The short answer to it is no, resoundingly. And that is a sad state that we're in, that the people who we elect in to lead the country and the people who we elect in to appoint those who will lead the country because we can't choose a minister of health, we can't choose a minister of finance, a minister of energy. We, cannot, we have no say over that. But the people who we put there who have all the say over that, this is the way they behave. And then they want to come back to us in, well, in December here. Some of them will come back to us, not all. And then next, uh, how much again time they have? Three years? They're going to come back to us again and pretend to be the most humble, cool people who have our best interests at heart and who we should look up to and respect and so on. And then when they're in the exact seat that they're disrespecting now, when they're in the seat of the prime minister, in the seat of the president, in the seat of the speaker of the house, they're going to want all the respect that, they, you know, that they're not given. Completely disrespectful. And I, 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 put in, I put in a separation of disrespect to people like Kamala Pasad B. Sessa and them, who have been the Prime Minister and who have been there for a long serving time, who have done human service to this country. To the level of disrespect for people like Saddam Hussein and, and Khadija Ami, who now reach and haven't done anything. Or they, they, they have given little compared to what they could give. Uh, talking about over their lifetime. You now reach. And you're so disrespectful and out of timing to people who were there long before you. And again, you're an employee. You're employed by us. And this is the behavior. Even if you go there, because I, I, I 100% stand for opposition who's going to stand up against issues like what we're seeing going on now with our Gary Griffith situation. But not like that. We can't let the office come into complete disrepute because you ain't getting where you want. And it, 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 we, we, we reek of that kind of thing. If it's a yapping putting up his foot on the bench, or his weed mark walking out, or his calling birds want to meet him outside, or who has a slam dunk thing on the table to walk out of the parliament, this is what we do. It's who we are. It doesn't matter. The opposition and the government interchangeable as far as I'm concerned. Now, where the media is concerned, remember that media is a critical part of any democracy. Oh, God, this episode heavier, boy. <laughs> Remember that the media is a critical part of every any democracy because it's that the media provides a form of check and balance against those in power. And those in power being political, business, and so on, religious, and so on, like it, Kevin O. Smith. The, the media are the people who we depend on to cover these things. And I just want to touch on something real quick. I saw two versions of an article come out this week by Denise Wren. One was about, well, the both articles were about Gary Griffith and his conduct while he was uh, police commissioner. 
And you see him denying everything, right? They say they find a set of gun in the place. Apparently, it's supposed to have a gun. It's a normal handover process. The media went to things. So he have a way. He's like to say, you see how they're trying to victimize me. You see how they're trying to make me look bad. It's a plot to make me look bad and everything, right? And while he's saying that, I see two versions of an article from Denise Ren. One that the Express published. That basically give me the gist of the story and thing. I say, well, all right, you know what I mean? Gary looked like he had some, you know what I mean? He, 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 like he overpaying people there and he overstaffing and it's looking like. And them men leave out every single name. And you see the unedited version of what Dennis Ren published. It making you ask who protecting Gary Griffith? Where's the material real role? I liken it to what, what we see, what we see with a secret meeting with police service commission is disrespecting the speaker and talking over the speaker and you 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 determine that you must disrupt the whole thing so it must never go to a vote and all those three situations are the same for me who is out here trying to disrupt our democracy is a joint effort or something all only working together opposition government and 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 media everybody working together to disrupt the democracy or because I can't believe that with a story like that, somebody had to tell me, I, I might know enough, right? But a story like that about a police commissioner who is in waiting, who trying to come back as police commissioner, that a story like that, all the edges get tapered. It comes like the new MacBook Pro that now launch. The thing gets smooth, it gets tapered off, it get, everything gets nice in the story, it gets nice and polished and put out in a way where it do raise alarm. The, the, the idea behind the initial article was clearly to show who was hired? What are the names? What is the amount for each position? Where's the cap that each position is supposed to be paid? And that story never run. A real tame version of that story come and run. So when we vilifying people for posting, rest in peace to Abu Bakr. I want to ask Oli, is Abu Bakr the only person who was trying to affect our democracy? I don't know. Now, there's an article from Wired 868 that I want to go through, right? Wired 868 typically has contributions, or I don't know what's her role in, in Wired, but Denise Deming usually contributes. Now, I have some history with Denise Deming, right? Denise Deming, Denise Deming was my lecturer when I was in UE undergrad, teaching, I want to say business communication, whatever it is, I pass, right? I pass the course. But she was there to teach us about how to speak, how to do presentations. And I remember her class stood out to me a lot. I guess I like to talk and I like doing presentations and that kind of thing. But what she had done as a part of the final project we had to do, right, to pass her course was she put us in front of the class to do a presentation and she recorded us. And then you had to sit with her and go back through the recording. Listen, it's one of the most uncomfortable things I've ever done. I think that's my first time really seeing myself on camera. And she said, listen, you're projecting well, you're, you're making good eye contact with the audience, you're not dung in your notes, and I like that. But she kept saying, you need to learn to speak properly. Dic wait, wait, I'm going to say dictate. How you say? Enunciate. Your words, I still ain't learned that right yet, right? <laughs> she said, you need to finish your sentences, finish your thoughts. I still ain't learned that at all. If I'm any good at public speaking at all, I credit a lot of it to Denise Deming and understanding how to connect with the audience and so on, right? So having said that, she usually writes articles in, in Wired 868. And I was glad to see her write this because of how important communication is to her. And the headline of the article said, Deming, or Deming said, Leaders should avoid unbecoming impish language and respect their office. Now, the article is long, I'm going to go through a little bit of it. 
uh, if if only members of parliament could master the same level of decorum and use the language like our esteemed president, this would be a more gentle place. I contrast the language of the president with the language of the prime minister and feel sick to my gut. She wasn't very gentle with her language, right? but she being honest. Prime Minister Dr. Keith Rowley recently made comments about the opposition. And he quotes, But the opposition leader wants to get around that by bringing the president na- president's name into parliament in a substantive motion so that she and her imps, pimps, and chimps can scandalize the president in the worst way. Th- that was something said by Raymond Ramcharita before, right? But I-, I believe, like Denise Deming was saying, and read the article, right? It's on Wired 868. It's published on the, October, the 19th of October, last week, Tuesday. And this, I guess this is the point I'm trying to make all the time, that you have an office... Leave the office in a certain respectful manner. You remember that when you're talking, you're also talking about the office of the opposition leader. As the prime minister, you shouldn't disrespect that office. Just like how we find it was very disrespectful, and I agree, the way the opposition behave in parliament this week towards the speaker of the house, who is enormously patient. Salute to her. Bridget and said, George, you have plenty of patience. Because, I mean, this is why I can't go there, you know, because me and the quorum like Denise Deming and the matter sort of cuss and carry on. But the same way you're asking for people to respect the office, the, the Prime Minister has no respect for the opposition leader and the office of the opposition leader. And the opposition leader has no respect for the Prime Minister or the office of the Prime Minister. So again, we're spinning top in mud. And as I, as I keep saying, we're going into another election period, so the amount of disrespect is going to be heightened. We'll just watch it over the next month before we get into that Tobago election. Alright, so what else has happened? West Indies. <laughs> Well, you want to talk about West Indies or Manchester United? <laughs> Call them Man Wendy's United. 55 runs, Chris Gale scored the most, so Kirtley Ambrose and them could cool it because Chris Gale is now the top scorer. So all who are saying that his selection was suspect, salute to Chris Gale, the great Chris Gale. Most runs so far on the board as a West Indian in the World Cup, you know what I mean? In his, in his swan song World Cup. By the time you're watching this day into our next game, and I feel for people like my father, people like Kern, all the Royal West Indies, Joel Julian, the West Indies fans, who's going to die hard for them. Good luck. I hope by the time you're listening to this, West Indies winning a little game. But it's a nice time for sports, people. We have nice little football. Midweek, we're watching our Champions League. On the weekend, we had the Prem. Now we are World Cup cricket. But Manu, I ain't saying nothing bad about Manu fans, right? <laughs> Except that Ole not good enough. And man, you men don't like when you say nothing about a side, you know. You could talk about any other side, and them could talk about any side it have. But from the time you start to talk about them side, like they get antsy. But this weekend, they get pretty much quiet down, because outside of losing games and not being good enough, losing to Liverpool at home by five is not no right here feeling for no Manchester <laughs> Manchester fans. So even the best backers of Ole, I hope by now Ole are thinking that... Uh, Ole, it's time to go, man, like Eddie and Bert. I hope, I hope Ole realize that Ole ain't it. He's changing nothing. He playing as if he have a bomb squad. I don't know where he come out. <laughs> you, you scrape through. Well, let me not say you scrape through. You're Manchester United your way through the midweek game in the Champions League, coming back from two goals down to score 3-2, which is what Manchester United is do. That is what Ole is do. Ole is come back late and poison people. But I don't know if that make him believe that um, he back to the golden era of Manchester United. So he come out with the same squad, same formation, same attacking mindset against the best team in the league who beaten people. <laughs> and the boy get exposed. Harry Maguire, you're not good at all. 
salute to you. You know, Harry Maguire is a little bit good. Looks showing good at all. But I suppose when Ole go out and a brand new manager come in, I know they're saying Zidane, they're saying Conte, whoever come in, I suppose some of these players go look real good under him. You know, they have a way. I used to talk about this with Chelsea, you know, with Eden Hazard. How he stopped playing under certain men. And then when certain men come in, all of a sudden you remember how to play football again. I don't like that with footballers at all. You know? I feel some of that happening with man, you know. Because you can't tell me Pogba come in on a game where you're down. Only now, all the confidence supposed to be up, coming back and winning a game in midweek. And the first couple plays Pogba make... <laughs> By the time he turned again the red card. But anyway, salute to Manu. Ole going to be fine. Ole have plenty of trophies. Ole is one of the best teams historically. Calm down and take Ole talk. It's just for a week. And when Ole gain man talk, Ole, 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 Ole bad. So just relax and be easy. And salute and good luck to all Man, um, man Wendy's United fans too. You know what I mean? It's a long it's a long couple weeks if you're a fan of them two teams. And coincidentally, Joel Julian is a fan of both. Ah... <laughs> uh, Last thing I want to say, the the last little piece I see today said that we're starting to head towards a time where ICU is overwhelmed again. And I want to make a personal appeal to people where, again, I don't like the idea of mandatory vaccines. I find it big enough. We must make choices about what we put in our own bodies and so on. And uh, I'm not against anybody who's saying that they don't want to take the vaccine, but I'm I, I putting it to you. That unless you are one of these Joe Rogan types of people who have enough money to see about yourself regardless of what happened, you're going in a private institution and you're going to take ivermectin and um, whatever the hormone name thing is, he take, he take a lot of things. Through the kitchen sink is it, at it is what he said, right? Unless you are one of those people and you have that level of care. And to add to that, you're like Joe Rogan and that you're physically fit and you're at your optimum levels. And you're eating healthy and taking care of yourself. Where are you sure you ain't, get, you ain't going to get COVID and end up in a public healthcare uh, facility or in one of the RHAs? Please consider getting vaccinated. It's not a joke. We're we going past the point now of it being who oppressing you and who in pain, chipping you and who Jesus send the mark of the beast up in you like what Kevin O'Smith telling people. Remember that when you end up in the public healthcare system, Dr. Uh, Melanie Richards, Dr. Richards was saying today, and uh, this is Monday, that ICU is, is we heading towards 90-something percent occupancy again. Most of the people again are unvaccinated. So we understand that this is not perfect. We understand that it rushed, it's all those things. But we also see in clear evidence that it's giving you some level of protection. I am seeing people, I don't know why it's people comorbidities or whatever health issues you're dealing with, right? But I see people on Instagram who obese, morbidly so, and arguing that they ain't taking no vaccine and they don't keep your poison and them kind of thing. And I think to myself, but why wouldn't you go and take it? And the reality is that I, I lost another pa- member of my parents' side again. Salute to Scratch and rest in peace to my guy Scratch. And now rest in peace to Peter, another good little quattro man and guitar man and vocalist. Lost our next one of them this week here. And the last time I was talking to another guy named Boy in the parang side, next quattro man. And I said, but boy, they're mashing up the side. He said, they ain't mashing up the side. The side mashing up the self. Because every time I see Peter, I tell Peter, Peter, go and take the vaccine. And he said, nah, me able to that vaccine. I ain't ready for that yet and all this kind of thing. You see what happened to Scratch just earlier this year. And you still decide that you ain't taking the vaccine. And... Sad to say that this is a portion. 
So I appealing to people, if you're listening to this and you're still on the fence and so on, if you know you're not heading to public health care and you know you're still at your comorbidities, you have other issues and uh, health issues and so on, yeah, yeah, but obese like me. Consider it, consider it. Don't, don't put everybody else at risk because at this point it's no longer a personal decision because you, the bed that you taking up, because you choose not to be vaccinated, is a bed somebody else could have get for some other thing not even related to COVID. So you're feeling like you're vaccinated and who, I've seen people celebrating the fact that schools are open to both vaccinated and unvaccinated students as some kind of, you know, they, 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 we're talking revolutionaries. They're feeling like, hey, we stand up to the oppressor and now they have to educate all our children. It's like, dude, what, what, what exactly is the fight all you're fighting? No, it's still Calypso History Month, you know, it's October. We ain't get to play much Calypso for this episode because it's the two episodes for the price of one, right? <laughs> so I ain't get to play much Calypso, but I had to leave off the Calypso Month with a little tent performance by one of the greatest men in the tent. I play me already, but I want to close off with this in the spirit of this episode. The name of the man is Trinidad Rio. Trinidad Rio! Yes? Is any spirit of this episode, right? The Rio sing about it a long time. Merry New Year, ladies and gentlemen. Same Once to you. Again, straight, die hard, genuine, authentic, high soul. This is how the story goes. No, we can't live in peace. But dying in pieces. Yes. And it didn't look as if this will ever stop. So I'm going wrong and salvage all them diseases. And I'm opening a, a human body patch up. All of them decapitated bodies. They find scatter all over the land. I'm going and preserve them in my deep freeze. And selling substitute and second hand. And here what happening. All them Africans and Indians who don't like the complexion. They don't have to go and pay for no expensive injection. Cause when a white man get killed, I go take off his head. Put it on a gollywog or a dalpuri instead. So they could frequent every night spot. Yes. And they can't put you out from club coconut. So play the music, fellas. Now I call in my business the body rescue yes. And I put in my office up in the cane You know why? Big and them boys don't control the bamboo So me ain't going and crowd up up there again I call the commissioner of prisons To get me some qualified men with skill Yes, I was all wrong that had them butcher license so them boys could chop up people at will. So oh, here what happened. Just as how them fellas bringing back them derelict vehicle. The same thing I'll be doing to them discontented people. Well, partner, you. Look, that nose on your face. Well, you could come in my shop and you could get that replaced. And when I done, your facial renew. By Michael Jackson and them, they want nothing with you. Well, play the music, fellas.
All this ethnic crap and racial distinction. Where the color of a man determines his class. Well, all of that will be in extinction. All them things will be something at the past. Because when I done my human concoction, I'm making a pigmented callaloo. Yes. Not even Sat or the Ku Klux Klan man will be able to distinguish who from who you are doing. I taking quarter off an Indian, putting it on a white man. What? She quarter off a white man, put it back on an Indian. A Chinese man brain, I put it on an African. And what? And an African cane, I put it on the Chinese man. So no more black, white, yellow, or green. Yes, 115% human being with that inclusive boy. Hey! Hey, Trinidad Rio! So enjoy your laugh, but when you're done laughing, remember, understand me head. I can't make a living off of the living, so I've got to make a living off of the dead. Yes, I know my idea may sound bombastic, yes. but at least understand what I mean. They do it with scrap iron, they do it with the plastic. So why the hell I, I can't, can't do, do it with human being? Well, you will happen. Everybody go be equal. Yes. Everybody go be happy. Nobody ain't go be more endowed than anybody. The Chinese man wouldn't be walking so no more. Well, he go raise his head up high and be proud to the core. Was when I done my modulation Up they go be Chinese But tongue day is Africa Rio Now you know my name and you know my number. Yes. So in case you have some parts to invest. Yes. In the yellow pages on the paper dealers. You go find my residential address. And if you see someone you admire with a part you need that one in your eyes. Well, you just pay me a little thing extra and I will get my workers to organize. And here what happened. If your husband's name is Glenn yes. and you want to be a Glenda, what? come to my den. I am the gender bender. Check out my office. <laughs> File a complaint. Pick up your phone and dial 622K. Yes. <laughs> Don't worry your head, move your cookie yoko and put a meow instead. 
Once the doctor says a woman who the hell is me to doubt? Hey, only have a safe week and a serious thing. Let me get this thing under control now, boy. I ain't like what they say this week with this 95% ICU, and I don't want to go back to that stage. And real quick before I go, how I don't know how the um the vaccine card and thing working for you, but I see plenty places who say they were safe zone and taking vaccine card. They ain't being no safe zone no more because they end up having to turn away so much customers. Because when you when you're in a safe zone, you can't even take away if you're not vaccinated. <laughs> So it ended up being now that people decide, listen, me ain't no safe zone, so I could get unvaccinated people to at least take away and hold out on the in-house dining until further notice. So let me see, November the 1st have more changes to come, and we we waiting to see where it is. But until then, everybody take care of yourself. I will see you guys next week, Tuesday. Goodbye.